How can there be one God when the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God? That's the question we're going to discuss today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brian DeBozik, Managing Editor of The Gospel Project, and with me is Aaron Armstrong, our brand manager. Now, Aaron, if somebody has been listening to our podcast, the last episode that we did was God is One. Yes. And they, of course, heard us push into this topic we're going to discuss today. So this is kind of part two. Kind of, yeah. I mean, you can't... Do you, you can't really talk about one without the other, no. although we tried really, really hard. <laughs> no, we didn't. We, well, we we tried, but we failed miserably. Yeah, we failed miserably. We failed miserably, and that's okay. But we but we have to understand the connection between between these two because, because the Bible does emphatically affirm that there is one God and no other. There's yeah. only one. And yet to the question that we that that we use to kick off this episode, we all we also see that throughout Scripture we see more than one individual yeah. being referred to as God. And, and as I've mentioned before, this is this is a doctrine that confuses my youngest son, mm-hmm. especially who's who's seven years old, and and he's trying to get his arms around this. And as a concrete thinker, um, it, it it troubles him to understand. Yes, this question, right? Because it's because it's a weird kind of math. Yes. It's one plus one plus one equals one. Yeah. Or some people try to use one times one times one is still one. Sure, but I'll, anyway, it doesn't matter. The the idea here is is you know if my my seven year old is just being honest. Yeah, because all of us I think when we think about this, it should cause the same kind of raised eyebrow of how does that work. Absolutely, so, it should. So let's let's plow ahead, um, Aaron. As always, why don't you read the doctrine as it appears in our our resource, the the ninety nine essential doctrines, the the doctrine God is one in three persons. Sure. So here's uh, here's how we have defined this. And before I get into this, um, also note that we have done a short explainer video on this um, on this doctrine that you can find on our website, on YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, while the Bible affirms that God is one, it also affirms that God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Each person of the Trinity is fully divine. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. And each person is distinct from one another. This perfect unity within the three persons of the Trinity is what we call a first-order doctrine. That, and that means that departing from it is to abandon Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. So that's the big idea. And there are some words that are in that that are really, really important. Um, and the phrasing, even though it's grammatically incorrect um, for, to, to modern ears, is very important, um, particularly when we describe persons. Yeah. But um, and so that is ultimately what this doctrine about is about in in a nutshell is that there is one God who simultaneously exists as three distinct persons. And I think that's a that's a good succinct way to say it. God is one in three persons, distinct persons. But I think part of that definition that I also latch on to that I think is is critical here is that each person is fully divine. Yes. And it's kind of looking at it from the other lens that that we need to be careful to protect that Jesus, the Son of God, is 
fully divine, not partial, not one third, right? Not half in his in his case because he yeah, he's not a took demigod. He's exactly. not Hercules fully. And the spirit. This is where we usually mm -hmm. see it be cause troubles out of ignorance by the true definition of that word. Yes, is that people fail to understand the spirit is fully divine. Yes. Uh, for some reason, he is often relegated as an it. Yes. Uh, he is often not understood to be f uh, uh, having will and so mm -hmm. forth. So the understanding of the Trinity is that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is each fully divine. That, that's, I think, critical. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to dig into that deeper. And in future episodes, we're going to have discussions on the divinity, divinity of the Holy, yeah. the Holy Spirit, and the the divinity of, of Jesus yeah, well, Himself. We'll be able to look but, at some verses to support yeah. that. And, but and but this that. just kicks us off mm -hmm. to the start. So when we, where do we see this doctrine in Scripture? Well, there are several passages that we see this this doctrine expressed. Yes. and we're going to talk about it in a minute. We don't see this term Trinity. Yes. Which we're, I don't think we've used it yet. But no, we haven't. And this is this is the the theological yes. word for this is Trinity. Or some people prefer triune to try to maintain the idea of unity there. So you might see the triune God or or, or the Trinity. Mm. Uh, we while we don't see that term explicit in Scripture, mm -hmm. we see several passages where clearly the the triune God is displayed, yeah. such as Matthew three sixteen and seventeen. The baptism of Jesus, and, and we read this, when Jesus was baptized, mm -hmm. so the Son of God, he went up immediately from the water, the heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God, so mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and coming down on him. So right there, pause, you have the Son and the Spirit, two separate persons. Yes, distinct uh, beings. Distinct beings. And then, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So a third, there's the Father. Right. So you have all three persons of the Trinity distinct in that passage. In one place. In, in one place. In one time. And, and we'll again talk about why that's important yeah. as, we, as we get going. Um, one, uh, a couple other passages that, uh, that we need to talk about come from, from John's Gospel as mm -hmm. well. So uh, John chapter 1, um, right at the beginning, is um, another one that gives us a clue. Yes. Here, So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so that language there is really, really important because um, he is setting up, um, in John's Gospel, the Word is Jesus. And so he's setting up the divinity of Christ there and doing it so explicitly and saying, he is God. You can't separate him, like God the Father and God the Son in the sense of one being divine and one not being. Yeah. Um, and so that's what he's doing there. We also see in John 15, 26, where, where um, Jesus says, On that day you will ask in my name, and I'm not telling you that I, um, that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Um, so Jesus is asking the Father. Yeah, so we see distinction. Yes, exactly. Again, there's that distinction yeah. again. Um, that they're not the same. They're not the same person. Um, and, and this yeah. is because there's this this wrong understanding of the Trinity called modalism, mm -hmm. which yep. which has this idea that it's it's one God who takes a different form at times. Yes. So it's a, just the same person 
who takes a different role yeah, or something. Yeah, it's a mode of existence exactly. as opposed to... And that's why we're and, trying we're trying yeah. to refute that from Scripture. It's not modalism, it's distinct persons. Right. And the um, son, and so sometimes you will see a, a, a diagram of this, that the father is God, but the father is not the son, for example. Correct. Yeah, another place where we see the, the, the Trinity expressed is Matthew 28, 19. So yes. uh, the other end of Matthew, we looked at the baptism earlier, Matthew. At the end of Matthew, where Jesus gives the Great Commission, of course, he says, mm-hmm. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So three distinct, but here we see they're all on the same level, if you will. Yes. Because it's singular name. Exactly. And and they also are the the source of faith. Yeah. So there, we're, Jesus here is affirming both their divinity subtly, mm-hmm. but also their personality, their uniqueness, the triune nature yeah. in that. So, so we have passages uh, like these where you, you build a pretty clear right. case. Right. Now, what we need to be careful before we move on is, is, is just reminding, reminding everyone hearing this that although we have explicitly referenced New Testament passages, um, it's this doctrine does appear in in an inkling form in the in the in a or nascent form in the the Old Testament as well that there are hints of it there that yeah. that but we don't see the full substance of it until we get to the New Testament. It's just like how the how throughout the the Old Testament there were hints of what God was going to do. Yeah. in rescuing and redeeming the world. And yet we didn't see that in its fullest expression until we got to Jesus. But it, it just reminds us of our need to read the Bible holistically. Yeah. That it's one story because when you read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, yeah. you see the Trinity protected there as well. Yeah. And vice versa, when yeah. you read the New Testament in light of the Old Testament. So yeah. reading the whole story together as it's meant, you you can find... Yeah, support for the Trinity, just maybe not as obvious, not, as, not as on as, the head. Yeah, as, and so, yeah. but just so a few places that you should look at um, in this are, and I'm just going to give you basic references. I'm not going to give you specific verses, but basic basic places to start. The beginning of Genesis, you mm-hmm. see, um, you know, you, in the creation account, you you it can be argued, I think, pretty strongly that you're seeing at least two persons of the Trinity there um, in. God creating creating the heavens and the earth in the beginning, and then you see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the yeah. earth. And then if we read that with, with Colossians as a commentary, for example, we know the sun was there as an ancient yes, creation. Yes, correct. So there's all three. Yes. Um, and we also see, as we, as we move forward in the story, we see in the Exodus account, we see um, this individual referenced as the angel of the Lord, not yes, and so in the writers of Scripture were very particular about words, uh, what words they chose, and so to use a definitive article um, and say the, yeah. the versus an, um, there is a distinction there, and this this person who is referred to as the angel of the Lord um, tends to be imbued with uh, the characteristics of God. As yeah. well, and that's and that's a key thing. He, yeah, you'll see him throughout the Old Testament, in different places. Yeah, and, and not only does he express characteristics of of divinity, but mm-hmm. also the way he speaks is different. Now, Correct. some people would say, well, he's speaking on behalf of of the of 
of God sure. with that authority. But no, you read it, and it, just seems, it doesn't seem like we see other angelic messages. Right, and it doesn't seem like how we see it with prophets who are yes. speaking on God's yeah. behalf either. So, there isn't a thus says the Lord. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you to do this now. So it, the, the, the theological term for this is theophany or Christophany. Yes. Uh, um, other ones that we see are the commander of the Lord's army yes. in Joshua. Joshua. And that one is probably one of the more explicit ones mm-hmm. because... Um, that commander receives worship from Joshua. Yeah. Um, that w- and were he not God, that would have been blasphemy. Yeah, and these are you know these are interesting when it comes to the idea of of God as one in three persons, because if we if we understand what Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John, then nobody's seen the Father. Yeah, and if these are appearances divine appearances in the Old Testament, that's why some people prefer to call call them Christophanies rather than Theophanies, Mm -hmm. because more narrowly saying, no, these were pre-incarnate Christ. Yes. And therefore, if it's pre-incarnate Christ, then it tracks with what we're talking about today. Right. Because in the it wouldn't have been the Father. There's two persons then right. at least of, of Right. And so so this is us getting super nerdy and yes. going down a rabbit trail that we were trying to avoid going down, but we couldn't do it. So hey, we um, we're pretty bad at, at at these kind of things. That's so. all right. But um but, So let, let's move forward. Yeah, 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 let's Unless keep you going. did you have any let's other thoughts? No, I was gonna I was okay. gonna say the same thing. Let's Let, keep let's going. just move on. Let's let's talk about some cautions as we yeah. understand. And and this is important because we've already hinted at a few uh, but there are a number of important cautions. So, yes. Aaron, what is one caution that you can think so, of? Um, so, right off the bat, it's one that we have, um, we've already th- uh, thrown a flag down on, um, but it is, um, while the term of Trinity or um, the phrasing of God is one in three persons, things like this, they don't appear in Scripture anywhere. Um, but the concept, as we've illustrated, is all throughout Scripture. It's there from beginning to end. And um, what we need to remember is that just because something is not directly mentioned in Scripture, it doesn't mean that Scripture doesn't support it. Now, you have to be careful with that, too, because yeah. you have to look at how clear is it and, and in, in its understanding. This is, while this is a mind-bender, and we'll, we'll talk about that more in a, in a bit, um, while this is a challenging doctrine to understand, the the evidence in Scripture itself is about as clear as you can get for something so challenging. Yeah, some people will try at times to argue against the Trinity based on this argument from silence. Yes. And I think the big idea here is we always have to be careful about arguing from silence mm-hmm. because it's not satisfying logically. No. And the, the the silly illustration I like to use in response to this is then giraffes don't exist because nowhere in Scripture is a giraffe explicitly mentioned. Yes. Just as absurd as that is, right. it's the same level of absurdity to suggest that the Trinity is not true because that word does not appear. There are right. many words that do not appear in Scripture yes. that are true. So that cannot be a sustainable argument against the Trinity. Right. Well, and and to even call the 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 doctrine of the Trinity and argument from from silence is is just plain incorrect. Yeah, it's it's, it's factually inaccurate. It's all the information we're exactly. looking at the text. It's just it's ignoring it. Yeah, yeah, we have we have the scriptural evidence to say that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equally God, yeah. um, yet distinct from one and, another. And again, as you said, Aaron, when we in the future look at the 
divinity of, of the Spirit and the Son. Yeah. I don't think many people question the divinity of the Father. That's kind of a given. Yeah. But when they question those divinities, that dovetails with this one. We, we need to be able to express so that there are three distinct persons mm -hmm. and each person is fully divine and there's evidence for that. So yes. we're going to layer that in. And as we've talked about before, one of the dangers that we need to, to keep in mind in, as theologians in general mm -hmm. is not to compartmentalize our theology. Yes. That we don't just focus on one doctrine in absence of other doctrines. They inform one another. Yeah. We get into trouble when we either hold one doctrine up as, as super important mm -hmm. or we try to understand it in a vacuum. Yeah. That's where we get into problems. Yeah. So in light of that, I think the second concern with this doctrine, or the second caution rather, is that the state of the obvious, this is one of the harder, if not the hardest doctrines in, yeah. in Scripture. Um, up there in line with what's the fancy nerd theological term, the hypostatic union, mm. Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time without yeah. a mixture of, of those. Yeah. That's another mind bender. These two, in my estimation, are two of the hardest doctrines that we can encounter. Mm -hmm. Our minds are limited, so we will not be able to understand it mm -hmm. fully, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. We now this—that's not an excuse. I've seen people use this as an excuse not to try. Yes. It is not that we, as disciples, as growing disciples, as people who want to know God better, we need to push into this. Yes. But we need to understand we will not come to a conclusion, a definitive, full understanding of saying, oh, I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that leads to and that leads to another caution that we want to throw, which like to throw out, which is that in our desire to understand it and um, we actually need to be really careful about using illustrations to try and explain it. I'll which go is to stronger. Say, don't use that. I was about to say, which is to say, don't do it. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing. Just um, don't. It's, it's far too complex. Put the water it's too away. Big. Yes. Put the egg away. Yeah. Just don't. Um, it is not a, you know, the Trinity is not like a three-leaf clover. It is not like a, um, it is not like the states of, of water. Um, it's or matter. But, and just, it's not. It's not the the different parts of an egg. Real quickly, because these are are the, in their essence, they're heretical errors. They are. Most of them are modalism, and we talked about. So the egg, for example, some people say the shell, the white, and the yolk. The problem is, it's it's one egg. It's not. It's they're not distinct. Right. So it it, it does not understand correctly that the that the Trinity are three distinct persons. Yes. Same with the clover. It's one clover. Um, yep. Or roles. Some people say, well, just like I'm a father, mm -hmm. I'm a son, yep. and I'm a friend. No, yes. it's, but I'm one person. Yeah, exactly. So so while we want these to be helpful, they actually are right. very unhelpful. Right. And it's also, you can't look at it as, um, you know, the, the shape of the family with yeah. a father, a mother, and a child. Yeah. Um, those are three distinct But they're people, not one. But they're not one. Exactly. Um, and so that is that's something that that we need to be careful of. That that's actually a different heresy, yeah. uh, which is called tritheism, which would say that there are three gods who are not all God. Um, so we've used this word modalism a bunch of times. That that again, that tends to be where most of our where most of our errors on this on the nature of God tend to land us. Um, but the other side is is that they land us on um, in this side of tritheism um there's actually a really funny video um that uh that 
Um, it's made the rounds many, many times yes. um, over the last eight years or so by um, the by this YouTube channel called Lutheran Satire. And so their whole point is is to um, teach teach theology while making fun of things. Yes. And um, and it and it is really fun. It, it and, and it, it's a good explanation. And it's, but it's solid. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, if you look it up, um, Lutheran Satire, St. Patrick. Yeah, teaches the Trinity or something like that. Yeah. As it's called, and it's just it just keeps going, and they throw in some some pretend stuff. I, too, yeah, which I is think also it's fun. really again, it's it's humorous. Yeah, uh, if if you're okay with with not taking everything so seriously, yes, but there being important truth underneath of it, it's a, I highly recommend it. I yeah. highly recommend it to show if you're teaching on this or this issue comes up yeah, with adults or teenagers. Yeah, I think maybe it's not with you. kids. Yeah, probably not, not with kids, kids, but but adults or teenagers, I think it's worth um, considering to yeah. show. Yeah, um, because the the truth underneath of it. Is so important. It's just done in a very clever, right. humorous way. Exactly. And so the and I mean, if you want something that's a little more serious, um, we've got the video that I mentioned at the top of the episode as well. Um, and in there, we actually give what is basically the um, it's um, is the clearest explanation that you can give of the Trinity, which is that um, the Father is um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all are God, but the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son, and the Spirit is not the Father. And the, the Son is not the Father or the Spirit as well. And that's about as clear as you can get. Yeah. All three are equally God, but they are not one another. Exactly. And and you'll see a diagram. You can probably Google search yeah. this. And the diagram is actually in the video. Is, is it in the, okay. It's in the video. So there you go. So that, that diagram, I think, is one of the most helpful ways. And that's pretty yeah. much as far as I'd feel comfortable personally. Yeah. I think it's better simply to state what the doctrine is and leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, don't try to push farther. Don't try to, to resolve what is unresolvable through yes. an illustration. Yeah, um, and I know many people have done this, and, and some people listening probably are cringing right now because they're thinking, "Oh, I've done that before. I have too." Sure, and um, but I, and yeah. but when I came to understanding, no, these are not helpful because they break down. So let's just stop. We actually got into trouble through Lifeway. One of our resources and kids appealed to one of these illustrations, and we're called just accidentally. Yeah. Um, somebody, yeah. I think it was a, a contract writer put it in the editing process for some reason. It just it, got missed. It got yeah. missed. It yeah. was left in there. And and it was, we rightfully were called to task for it. Yeah. And I realized, yeah, we should not have had that. Yeah. Um, so it, it happens. Yeah. But moving forward, I think we need to realize, let's just not try to illustrate it. Right. Right. Don't. Yeah. So think about what, so as we, as we. Think about this mind bender of a doctrine. This that really is one of the hardest ones for us to understand. This big essential truth about who God is, um, which again should just make us pause and mm-hmm. and just stop. Um, what difference should this truth about God make in our well, lives? Well, it's what you said after reading the essential doctrine earlier in the in the episode. That this is a key test of orthodoxy. Yeah. This is a doctrine that really will separate true biblical Christianity from many cults. Right. Uh, which deny the Trinity. Yes. 
And so while it's hard to understand, this is why we need to try to understand it and at least need to accept it and say it is yeah. true. Yeah. Don't understand it fully. Right. But I take it as truth and it's vital truth. It's not, we've used the term today, nerding out theologically. This is, when it comes down to it, this basic doctrine is not nerding out theologically. No. It is essential that all believers hold to this doctrine. Right. Um, and so especially if you find yourself in a conversation, say, with a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, I think one of the, the best things to do is pause the conversation from where they will likely want to take it yeah. and say, let's talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Yeah. And keep the conversation there because when pushed, a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness would have to deny the full personhood and divinity of Jesus Christ. Yes. And that's where we say, Woo, as much as a Mormon would want to be considered just another denomination, no, if yeah. you deny this, you are not within the theological camp yeah. that, that separates true Orthodox Christianity. From, right. Yeah. There's, um, you know, again, we, we've, we've mentioned there are... Um, there are people who who try to run under general, like try to actually run under the blanket of being evangelical Christians, as well, um, or um, in a or as being Orthodox Christians. Um, you think about the um, the Oneness Pentecostals. Um, they they're pure modalism, and they say so in their in their doctrinal statements. That's not an Orthodox yeah. position, according to scripture and based and and has been illustrated again and again and again throughout church history there was a book that came out um, a number of years ago that um, was really really harmful because it created um, among other reasons that it was really really harmful because it presented such an unclear view of who and what the trinity are um, that um, it was just a mess, um, and so it had it had the 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 father um, in bodily form as a as a woman. It oh. had um, it had the son in bodily form, and it had the um, had the spirit in a tran translucent bodily form as well. Um, but also described a different. Um, a different error that where we go on the Trinity, where our understanding of the Trinity needs to be so precise and careful, um, is saying that um, that all three that all three members of the Trinity were involved in directly in um, Jesus' death on the cross. That the Father died on the cross. That the Spirit was on the cross. And those things are just not true. That's a, that um, the the technical term for that one is uh, called patripassionism, which um, say that 10 times fast, um, you'll, win, you'll win a prize at parties. But- um, <laughs> Patripassionism at parties. That's right, see? A patripassionism party. I think we just made a, I think we just made a new hit product. We did. So um, anyway, but the, the big idea there is, is that we're, um, and the reason that I brought that up is that our understanding of the Trinity drastically affects our understanding of the gospel. Yes. Because what we see throughout scripture is that all three persons of the Trinity are involved in rescuing and redeeming yes. sinners. However, it's not, but not all three 
were on the cross. Not Which, all three died for our sins. That's what patripassionism means. The word breakdown, yes. patra is father. Yes. And then passion is the idea of the, the suffering of Christ. Right, exactly. So that's basically, that doctrine is, or that heresy rather, is that the father suffered on the cross. Exactly. And that's the problem. Right. Yeah. Instead, what we need to recognize is that the gospel has, um, has a Trinitarian shape to it. And so, um, again, that's me being very heady, but um, but, but the idea here is it's, basically... It's, yeah, the, the practical, it's not heady at all. It's, yeah. it's so yeah. practical. Right. So the big idea of it is, is that the Father purposed this from before the foundation of the world. The Son accomplished it, meaning he, meaning he died for people from every tribe, tongue, nation, every people group, people from all over the world, all over time and history. And by faith, the Spirit applies that. He actually makes us like Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, I talk, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about um, the gospel having a Trinitarian shape to yes. it. And this is why it's so important that we preserve this. Again, it's not theological nerdism. Yeah. It, this is practical. This is the basic understanding of salvation. Yeah. Uh, the Trinity relates to that. So uh, any other difference that this doctrine should make? Um, I mean, ultimately, it should make us, ultimately, it should create a greater sense of awe and gratitude yeah. toward God. Because what this doctrine does is it reminds us just that God is so much bigger and better than any than anything that we can imagine. This is not a God that we could create out of on our own. Um, it, he doesn't make sense in that way. Um, and so, because for us, we can't fathom what that looks like. We can't understand it. We can just understand that it's true. And so, that humbles us and and should create a response of worship in us. Good, good. Let's end there. Uh, it's been hopefully a helpful conversation, discussion with, with our listeners, and, and hopefully this has given them a little bit clearer understanding uh, of this important doctrine. So let's call it there. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more information on resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.